You are listening to the Pine Law Church Podcast, where believers in Jesus Christ are seeking to know God and to be fully known by God. As always, we thank all of our listeners for your faithfulness in supporting the ministry of Pine Law Church. You can give online by going to tithe.ly. We pray that you are blessed by the hearing and the reading of God's Word. Uh, I wanted to start us off. We're actually going to start a series. It's going to be a shorter series. This summer we had two long series that we went through. Uh, but we're going to start a series that's just going to last us three weeks. And it's, it's called Storyteller. So uh, if you have your Bible, you can start finding your place in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, we're going to be there in just a minute. Uh, but before we dive into our passage, I want to tell you a little bit about where we're going with this series. Um, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at some of the parables that Jesus told. Uh, parables were obviously a very important form of communication for Jesus. There are at least 40 parables throughout Matthew, Mark, and Luke, or the Synoptic Gospels. And the word parable literally means to set side by side or to compare. And there are these stories that help us to understand something about the kingdom of God and something about ourselves Uh, Jesus would take these familiar earthly images and he would use them to teach deep spiritual truth. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at a different parable each week as Jesus told in Matthew's gospel. Uh, And I have to admit, when when I went into ministry and I started preaching regularly, the parables were so inviting. They were these little stories that seemed so innocent about farmers sowing seed and women baking bread and shepherds looking after sheep. But the more I studied them, the more I realized that there is nothing simple about them. They are deep and powerful words that allow God's divine truth to take root in each of our hearts uh, and in our minds. Clarence Jordan uh, actually said, when Jesus told a parable, he lit a stick of dynamite and put a story over it to cover it up. They are powerful stories that give us a glimpse of God's kingdom. Uh, and I, before we start, before we dive into scripture, I want to tell you a, a little joke, and you may have heard me tell it before. I've only got three jokes, so humor me. And it's not even theologically correct, so don't call my district superintendent either. Uh, it's about a guy who shows up at uh, Heaven's Gate, and he's there talking to Peter at the pearly gates, and he's kind of curious about what it's going to take to get into heaven. Uh, and St. Peter says, well, it's not all that easy. You know, we got some criteria. We got some standards. There's some things you need to do. Did you go to church? Did you pray? And the guy said, well, you know that I didn't really, that's not, no, I didn't, wasn't religious or anything. And uh, I didn't really go to church. And, and St. Peter says, well, were you generous? Did you give? Did you give of your time? Did you give of your resources? Did you uh, do that? Were you more concerned about others than you were about yourself? And the guy said, no. No, no, that, that really, that, that wasn't, that really wasn't me. Uh, I didn't really live that way. And, and Peter said, well, were you ever nice to anybody? Did you, did you ever take care of anybody other than yourself? Did you ever think about anybody other than the self, the blind, the widow, the oppressed, the orphan? And, and the guy says, no, 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 that was not me at all. I didn't do any of those things. And St. Peter said, buddy, listen, you, you got to work with me here. Like, come on. Think. I need you to think. Like you, can, you don't just get in here uh, on nothing. You got to tell me something. Surely, at some point in your life, there was something you did uh, for somebody else. Think with me. And the guy says, "Okay, there was this one time. There was this one time uh, when I helped this lady, 
And, and Peter says, yeah, let, let's hear about that. Tell me this story. Tell me that. And he says, he said, well, I was coming out of this store and there was a lady there and she was surrounded by this group of thugs and they had snatched her purse, you know, and I shoved my way in between them and I pulled her out of the way and I dusted her off and I handed her purse back to her. And I went up to the biggest, baddest thug in the group that, and I walked up and I got into his face and I told him how despicable he was and, and how mean he was and how wrong he was and how much of a coward he was. And then I growled at him. And Peter said, wow, when was this? This is great. And the guy said, this is about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> the moral of the story is that it's never too late. It's never too late. God will never give up on you, which is great news for a lot of us, because if you're anything like me, then you wonder, why do I feel like it's already too late when I'm just now getting started? How do I get back the years that were stolen from me before I ever had a chance to make a difference? How do I make up for the time that I spent wandering around in the desert of my own making before I ever figured out who it was that I was? Who can identify with that? Who can identify with that? You don't have to be an older person to understand this. We can have regrets at, at any age. We've all spent time wondering how things might be different if we got to have a do-over. Uh, and here's some good news. It's never too late. God never gives up on you. This is one of the truths that Jesus points us to in our first parable in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, we're starting at verse 24, so I want to read this passage of Scripture to you. It's the parable of the weeds and the wheat. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where, did, where then did these weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. And the servant asked him, do you want us to go pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Now, this is one of few parables that Jesus actually explains to us and explains to his disciples. And so what I want us to do is get a little participation from you all. Uh, and so down, if, if you want to look ahead, verse 36 is where he starts explaining this. And we're just going to identify the different characters uh, in this story real quick. Can somebody tell me who the sower is? The son of man. The son of man. What about the field? He tells us what the field is exactly field is the world. Yes, God's. What about the good seed? Say that again. The good seed is actually the people of the kingdom. The people of the kingdom is the good seed. We'll talk about that next week, actually, the, the four soils. The, uh, what about the weeds? What are the weeds, as Jesus tells us? This is all in verse 36 to 39. He tells us exactly what each of these are. What are the weeds? Somebody help me out. 
People of the evil one, yes, absolutely. What about the enemy? This should be an easy one. The devil. What about the harvest? The harvest. The harvest is the end of the age. It's the timeline. It's the, it's the end of the age. And then the last one I want to ask y'all is what are the harvesters? He tells us who the harvesters are in this story. Harvesters, the angels. The angels are the harvesters. We know all of this. He tells us explicitly down in verse 36. The disciples asked him to explain it to him. And so he tells them, uh, and he starts by outlining, he tells them about the whole parable, but he starts by outlining each one of these different things in the story uh, from verse 36 to 39. And then starting in verse 40, he cuts to the chase and he says this As the weeds are pulled up, and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's hard to get a thanks be to God on that, isn't it, this morning? You're weeping and gnashing of teeth, the fiery furnace. You know, if, uh, you know, most of us preachers, Protestant preachers, avoid passages like this, like the plague. You know, we like talking about God's love and peace and mercy and grace, and we are usually quite content not to talk about God using terms like the fiery furnace and the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. But in this story... In this story, it is apparent, it is pretty clear that Jesus wants us to think about it. He wants us to talk about it. Uh, he wants us to understand that there will be a day of reckoning uh, when all things are made new. He obviously wants us to think about the fact that the clock is ticking and that the Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. Think about that for a minute. What does that mean for us? I'll tell you one thing it means. It means that the creator of the universe will never get used to evil. Never get used to evil. We are forced to face the reality that God will never get used to sin. And I wrestled with this passage. And the, and the more I wrestled with it, the clearer it became to me that God's wrath might not be such a bad thing after all. Because according to this passage, God's wrath is God's unwavering posture against anything that seeks to compromise or contaminate God's perfect kingdom. Let me say that again. God's wrath is God's unwavering posture against anything that seeks to destroy God's perfect kingdom. And when we realize this, and when we realize that God is sure of that which is holy, we realize not only is this not so bad, this is actually good news. Because God's wrath is what keeps... God's kingdom from becoming the kingdom of this world, which has not worked out all that well for us, in case you were wondering. He wants us to know that, he wants us to think about the long game. He wants us to think about the fact that he who has made a way to be forgiven is coming again and his opinion of sin and evil will not change. And so if God doesn't intend to change God's mind about the sin and the weeds in my life, the only thing left to do is change my mind. 
about the weeds in my life, those things that have no place in God's kingdom. Let me ask you this. How many of you, when you first read this story, when you hear, hear me read this story or when you read through it in Scripture, how many of you automatically, by default, place yourself in the position of the wheat? You can be honest. Come on now. Nobody wants to be a weed. Nobody wants to be a weed. We're the ones who want to get rid of the weeds, right? We, we, how natural is, us for, is it for us to imagine that we're the wheat and everybody else is a weed? We look around and we see people acting a certain way or saying a certain thing or uh, talking about something, and we just want to do the world a favor and yank the weeds up. We just, want to, we just want to help out the kingdom. And Jesus tells us, he says, hold up a minute. Let them grow. Leave them there. Let them grow until the harvest. Why do you think he says that? One reason he says it is because he knows that when we place ourselves in a position of authority uh, over those that we perceive to be the weeds of this world, we have effectively turned holiness into a hierarchy where we are good and others are bad. And Jesus tells us that judgment is not ours. It's not our job. In first century Palestine, there was actually a weed that was called the bearded darnel. It looked almost identical to wheat. And because the weeds were often indistinguishable from the wheat and the roots were inextricably bound beneath the surface, Jesus knew that by pulling the weeds up, they would destroy the harvest. And Jesus is telling us that good and evil will coexist for a time. He's telling us that the line between good and evil is sometimes indiscernible with our human eye. He's telling us that there are times when we may encounter a situation where it is impossible for us to see where bad ends and good begins. And he's telling us that judgment is not our job. But he tells us this story, and there is a job that is implicit. There's, there's something that we have to do, and it's on our part that we, we have to take part in. Uh, because another reason he tells us to take pause in our excitement and our zeal to uproot the weeds of this world is, is because when our focus is on judging others, when our focus is on the weediness of the world around us, we often fail to recognize the weeds in our own life, the weeds in our own hearts. And it's not the big weeds around us that cause us the most trouble. It's the little weeds. It's the little weeds in our hearts. Every time Eden goes outside to play in the grass, she, if she doesn't have shoes on, she'll look up and she'll say, Daddy, are there sticky things? And I don't know if y'all, you know, out here in the country are like walking out in y'all's yard barefoot, but I'm going to tell you, there are some little burr weeds out there that will get a hold of. These little bitty tiny weeds with almost invisible spines that grow up and they can cause you to be crippled and doubled over with pain and as it relates to our spiritual journey we like to focus on the big weeds around us but the reality is that it's the little weeds in our lives that cause us the most pain it's the little weeds that no one else can see that breed regret into our lives and separate us from the kingdom of god it's the little weeds of shame and guilt and sin and anger and resentment that can drop us to our knees and have us doubled over, crippled, and crying in pain. 
There's a guy by the name of Alexander Solzhenitsyn who was a Nobel Prize winning author and he was an outspoken critic of the KGB uh, in the Soviet Union, particularly against the Gulag labor camps where he was kept and he spent eight years of his life uh, and he chronicled the daily horrors of life in these labor camps. And this is a man who was intimately familiar with evil. And he said this, if only it were so simple, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it were only necessary to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through every human being. This is why Jesus not only tells us that all who do evil will be weeded out of the kingdom, he tells us that everything that causes sin, the little weeds in our lives, will be rooted out, weeded out of the kingdom. He wants us to understand that good and evil are inextricably bound within each one of us on any given day. And, that, uh, and in the end, the only way to separate the weeds from the wheat it's through the power of a loving master. It's through the grace of God who will never give up on you, even to the end of the age. And it's never too late. It's only through the power of a loving God who is never content with the evil in this world, who is never content with sin, who will stand unwaveringly against all that is evil and will always always continue to draw you into a relationship. And he tells us that these weeds don't just happen by chance. He tells us that they happen while we're asleep. Did you catch that? While everyone was sleeping. Weeds happen when we think we've got this thing. Weeds happen in our life when we're not on guard when we're failing to live into the daily disciplines that, that are poor, that are shown to us in Scripture. Uh, weeds happen when we're too busy paying attention to the defects and the shortcomings of everyone else. And we fail to recognize the spiritual enemy tossing handfuls of bad seed into our hearts. Friends, the most dangerous belief that we can hold as followers of Jesus Christ is that we're somehow immune to temptation or that we have somehow arrived at a destination. We are we're living in difficult times, in case y'all haven't noticed. We're living in trying times. Things around us are there's there's craziness all over the world. We are, you know, we're inundated with information and misinformation. Uh, we're inundated with political ads here lately. I'm just gonna call it like it is, the elephant in the room, okay? Uh, political ads conspiracy theories, everybody, and I'll guarantee that we are no different in this sense than a lot of people out in the world that aren't believers, been updating and refreshing our election tracker all week a thousand times a day, trying to figure out who's going to be president for the next four years, and as much time as we have spent in this last week staring at Nevada and staring at Georgia and staring at Pennsylvania on these digital maps, I wonder how much spiritual truth that we've missed out on, how much, how much grace we have missed out on that we could have found if we spent time searching the scriptures 
If we spent time on our knees praying, and I'm not saying that God is unconcerned about the American presidential election. What I'm saying that it is that God is much more concerned about what it's doing in your heart. About the weeds that are growing up in your heart as a result. And we're looking around at everybody else in the world trying to yank up those weeds and we've got weeds of our own that are taking root while we're sleeping on the job. So I'll ask you, what might change if we, if we read this story and we anticipated Christ's return to the degree that we've anticipated these election results? What might change in the world if that was our posture that we took as Christians? If we waited expectantly One thing that might change is our hearts. The call in this story is real simple. First off, it's never too late. God will never give up on you. The call is this. Today is the day that we stop focusing on all the other weedy people in the world. Today is the day we, we stop worrying so much about who will be the president of our country and you start worrying about who's gonna be Lord of your life. And when we do that, when we embrace that, God's wrath doesn't elicit fear it doesn't elicit anxiety. God's wrath, the end of the ages, when everything that causes sin will be rooted up. That's a liberating reality. That's a reality that gives us freedom and peace when we know that he will wipe away every tear from the eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the older things have passed away. Christ is coming. And it's never too late. And if you've not made that decision to make him Lord of your life, then I want to invite you to do that today. I'm going to pray for us as the band comes back up. And you can turn your pew into an altar. Pray with me. Gracious God, we have so many distractions in this world. There are so many things that compete for our attention and in our desire to serve you so often we seek to identify the weeds of this world. Lord, I pray that today you help us to stop focusing outward and help us to start looking upward and start looking inward at the weeds in our own life that we may truly be free to be your church, to do your work in the world. Help us to know deep in our hearts, God, that it is never too late that you never give up on us, but foremost, 
help us help us to profess that you are Lord of our life no matter what else tries to take up real estate in our heart you are the Lord in all things it's in the name of Jesus Christ that I offer this to you Amen.